Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank and Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at my bank, First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is our monthly economic update for June. And for this discussion, I am thankful to be joined once again remotely today by Brad Bolliard, Portfolio Manager in First United's Wealth Management Department. Brad, good morning to you. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are so, the how are the markets today? That's probably more important. <laughs> what's what's going on today? Which is sometimes a reflection of how I'm feeling. <laughs> right. <But>. Well, <laughs> in your world, I can imagine that's the case. So, well, yeah, as well. as as normal, uh, we we go through the positives, negatives, and conclusions. So, why don't you why don't you kick us off uh, this month with with what's what's positive in the world of economics? Well, if you got new cash. There's actually a lot of positives out there, especially speaking in terms of of rates, because rates are up. Mm-hmm. Rates are up, and the Fed um, they raise their rate. I believe it's back on March seventeenth, twenty five basis points, and then another fifty basis points on May fifth. So now we're in that zero point seven five to one point zero zero range on the Fed rate. Of course, that affects the yield curve, the short term rates. Uh, rising some, um, it, the, although the yield curve is a little flatter than it was a year ago, we're seeing the three percent level anywhere from going out three years to fifteen years, three percent. But if you were looking at the shortest area of the yield curve and the longest, I guess you could still say it's it's a positive yield curve. Um, let's start out with some of the shorter rates um, right now on brokered CDs, for example, Alibank, Capital One Bank, Morgan Stanley. You only have to go out three years to get three percent. So compared to where we were a year ago, looking a lot better, you know, going even further out on broker CDs, not too much more um, there for you. Five years is 3.15. But once you get out to that three year, you're looking at that psychological mark of 3%. And that's in comparison to the 10 year treasury, which this morning, I think when I looked was at a 3.06. So looking at agencies, the very high quality area, AAA by Moody's. AA plus by S&P. Um, right now, you're looking at issues, for example, federal farm credit, 445 coupon, going out only 10 years. Um, so, and that's at par. And of course, there's <clears throat> very stable piece and compared to the 10-year treasury being around a 3%, 4.5% on an agency, looking pretty good. Um, corporates, for example, I'll throw an example out there for you, Clorox. Um, I'm sure you do use a lot of bleach, Eric. Oh, every day. <laughs> and a lot of our cleaning products. So investment grade rated, BAA1, triple B plus, and they're 440 going out only seven years. Okay. Um, and with a premium that's still 4% level on a seven-year taxable bond. Tax freeze, um, they pulled back a little bit, but still very good rates compared to what we were seeing a couple of months ago. For example, A2A, Maryland Health University, Med Center, they're 375 for only 14 years, and with a premium that's a 356 level, so tax-free level. And you know, in general, uh, the spread on 
our most active corporate bonds investment grade rated in the 10-year treasury. That was only 0.62 a year ago, Eric. Now we're looking at a spread of 1.65. So the rise in rates, that's a rise in the 10-year treasury, about 1.27 since a year ago. And now again, in our most active corporate bonds of about almost 2.5%, 2.3% gain when you're comparing to a year ago. So where do yields go from here? For our listeners, up is the word by federated Hermes, um, but maybe not much. With inflation, the issue, the bias in rates does remain up, according to federated. Uh, they believe that um, the Fed is in a balancing act, and that will keep the 10-year treasury yield in the 27 to 3.2% trading range and until there is better clarity over which way the scale tips sustained elevated inflation or dramatic economic slowing is to be seen. Um, the big question, can the strong labor market that we're seeing, we're going to get some of these labor market numbers, um, produce sufficient growth and in income to avoid a recession as the Fed and fiscal policies contract? Well, the Fed can do two things. They can ease up. Um, inflation. If inflation proves sticky, however, the Fed will likely keep tightening and rates will rise further. So it's a fairly narrow path for the central bank right now, Eric, and one has struggled to navigate in, in the past. But I want to get into some of our usual positives very quick, and that's that's with the jobs numbers. Mm-hmm. The U.S. did add 390,000 jobs in May, and that's above expectations of the 330,000 in, in new jobs. Restaurants and hotels, again, they led the way in hiring. Um, adding 84,000 jobs, more people are going out to eat, traveling, or taking a vacation. Employment also rose by 75,000 professional businesses, 47,000 in transportation and warehousing jobs, and 36,000 in construction. Government also added 57,000 jobs. The unemployment rate held at 3.6%, and the participation rate ticked up to 62.3% in the month of May. Initial jobless claims... They fell by 11,000 to 200,000 for the week ending uh, on May 28th, and that's according to our Labor Department. Raw or unadjusted jobless claims fell mostly in Kentucky, states like Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Florida. Uh, Continuing claims fell by 24,000 to 1.31 million, and that's the lowest level since 1969. Um, The job opening still elevated and layoffs are at a record low. We expect initial claims to remain near current levels, even as the demand for workers starts to ease. Job openings, you've heard, I'm sure, a lot in the headlines. No matter who you listen to, really, there's there's a lot of job availability out there still. And, And that's been one of the issues. People are still, whether it's the supply issue or you know, with with uh, supply of goods or the supply of labor, there's a short. Um, so the job openings, the labor turnover survey fell to 11.4 million open jobs in April. Uh, the prior month saw 11.9 million jobs openings. Openings rose mostly in manufacturing, transportation, and warehousing. Uh, the quits rate fell mostly from a record level to 4.4 million workers. Let's get into some of the, uh, now that we've talked about jobs, let's get into some of the uh, uh, supply and manufacturing areas, um, service areas, areas that we'll talk about. And again, whenever I go over some of these numbers, just remember if I mention anything uh, above a 50, that's growth territory. And if it's above 55, that's exceptional growth territory. So we'll start first off with the um, the Institute for Supply Management's Manufacturing um, number. 
Uh, let's look at uh, some of the manufacturing uh, index in general. We'll start off with the general number is 56.1 in May, and that's from 55.4 in April. New orders, 55.1%, production, 54.2%, backlog orders, 58.7%, and new export order, 52.9%. So we're now looking at the 24th consecutive month of growth in manufacturing. Um, and 15 of the 16 manufacturing industries reported growth for the month. So looking very good there. Uh, overall, the U.S. manufacturing um, sectors remains in demand-driven territory, and supply chain constraints, of course, continues to be the issue there. The services-ish um, side of the index, uh, that fell to 55.9% in May from 57.1% in April. Business activity, 54.5%. Backlog 52%, they both fell, um, while new orders 57.6%, employment 50.2%, and new export orders 60.9%. They all rose in May. And according to respondents, labor is still a big issue. Um, supply and chain disruptions continue, and prices continue to increase there. Brad, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I'm curious. So, um you know, 50, 50 being normal, 55 or 50, 50 above 50 being growth and 55 being exceptional growth. Those make sense. But when the numbers were so far inflated in prior months, I mean, we were seeing numbers mm-hmm. in the high 60s, maybe even in the 70s in some cases, when they've fallen back from those 60s and 70s down to what is still considered exceptional growth. What What indicator does that give to you? Yeah, I mean, some of this, you know, none of us really want to ever use the word again, transitory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of it is just the fact that you're coming off a pandemic. Um, you know, the, the country kind of shut down and there are places around the world that, man, China's, China's, they're just closing everything if if they hear a little peep of, of COVID. Yeah. Um, that remains a very important driver over there. Um, no longer the most important driver here, but China, they're currently coming out of the largest outbreak to date, actually. And they have a zero, what they call a zero COVID policy. Um, so that's supply chain healing, maybe volatile over there, as only a few cases could continue to lead to lockdowns of the entire cities over there. So, right. but in general, I mean, you know, the U.S. is still seeing uh, job growth, I guess, you know, during the pandemic, what they were calling it is the great resignation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were making changes, you know, people that might have been in the restaurant field for the past 10 years. Now, now they might be in a little better field where maybe they're working from home now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found they found an area where, where they can service uh, uh, things online, uh, no matter what sector it really is. But um, uh, so there have been changes, but I, I don't think it's just because people are, are just dropping out of the market in general. Uh, overall, 14 industries reported growth. Growth continues, uh, albeit for the service sector um, that's expanded for all but two of the last 148 months. So quite a, a long time span there. Well, the first quarter 2022 earnings season coming to a close, outpour- they're outperforming expectations. Of the 495 companies to report thus far, 77% have reported earnings above expectations. Aggregate S&P 500 earnings and revenue are expected to finish up 11% and 13% year-over-year, respectively. Looking at GDP, the first revision for the first quarter GDP showed that the U.S. economy 
declined at a 1.5% annual rate. And private domestic final sales were strong in the first quarter with a gain of 3.9% due to positive contributions for personal consumption, corporate capex, and housing. However, the quarter saw a soaring net trade deficit along with a decline in the quarter over over quarter over quarter pace of inventory restocking and a decline in federal government defense spending. Economists predict GDP will speed up in the second quarter to a 2.2% even annual rate or a bit higher. Of course, GDP figures are adjusted for, for inflation there. So we, they do expect um, 2% GDP here in the second quarter, but obviously we'll We'll have to see any adjustments that will be made there once those numbers start coming out. Unfortunately, Eric, we have to touch on the negatives. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of negatives out there, but um, a lot of them are, are still s- some of the similar, you know, the, the media covers the negatives very well. So <laughs> I, I don't need to go into too much detail whenever it comes to the negatives, but monetary policy is still you know, we had to watch that. We don't want that to be a mistake with all the Fed news that they're making. The Fed has sketched an aggressive tightening agenda. Investors expect 50 basis point interest rate hikes at at the June and July FOMC meetings. Um, some Fed members' commentary has gotten even more aggressive, signaling the Fed would stop inflation um, no matter what the cost in stock market uh, damage or economic output. Uh, Russian-Ukraine war continues. Uh, the European Union reached an agreement to ban Russian oil imports. The embargo initially covers two-thirds of imported Russian oil, but by year-end, it will cover 90% of crude and petroleum products. And the situation continues to put upper pressure on inflation there. So besides you know, oil uh, energy embargoes, I'm sure you've been hearing about some of the grain situations um, with uh, – with some of the supply issues that we might have coming there, not necessarily the U.S., but I'm sure it'll affect other parts of of, of the of the world. Right. Core PCE, that's the Fed's preferred inflation measure, that slowed a second straight month in April to 4.9 percent year over year, and marked the first time since early in the pandemic that the core rate experienced back to back monthly declines, and the headline rate rose by its smallest um, amount in a year and a half. Um, some of the CPAC numbers, though, will be coming out tomorrow on Friday, so please take note of some of the news there. I'm sure that'll be some of the headlines that you'll be looking at here on tomorrow, June 10th, Friday, June 10th. So some news coming out there here soon. We've already touched on COVID a little bit and, and the China um, zero COVID policy. So let's see if we can make any conclusions with some of the positives and the negatives that we've been seeing um, kind of on the equity side here, the churn of now familiar currents produced amazingly driven by headlines as the S&P 500 closed more than 1% up or down eight times on the news of the day. <laughs> wow. So did you feel like you're on a seesaw here in the past, <laughs> the past month? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe so. So at different moments, inflation in the U.S. Federal Reserve's response to it, China and COVID-19, rising food and energy prices, and the Russia-Ukraine war provided varying guidance to a market eager for direction here in May. At the end of May, however, the equity markets rallied, um, pulling the S&P 500 from a bear-like slump for the month. That that rally could signal investors emerging hope that the Fed can engineer a soft landing on its inflation fighting plan 
raising interest rates without quashing the um, potential for growth. Still expect inflation to be the dominant concern as we continue into the summer, as asset markets recalibrate to the evolving economic environment. We expect continued volatility, and we we do expect reduced risk levels um, accordingly. Later in 2022, we see support for earnings and potential for better returns as uncertainty clears. So that's kind of what I've been hearing from First Trust. I went to a meeting there in in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they do expect a better second half year uh, for 2022, but still there is some talk there for a recession here in 2023. Um, Other things they were talking about is uh, satellite services. So they think we might have satellites of phones here soon, Eric. Not to get not to get too much off the to- topic, but if you're interested in things like Starlink and what Elon Musk has to offer, man, I am looking forward to changing services there. <laughs> <laughs> Faster internet from the sky. Yep, uh, I think they said uh, maybe 100 to 500 speeds of megabytes per second. So. Um, whenever I was doing my tests on some of my products, I think it said, even though I'm supposed to get 500 megabytes per second, I think it was usually around just above 300. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too happy with some of the, <laughs> some of the products that our local cable company has to offer anymore. And really though, if you want speed, there's nothing else better. So I'm really looking to that Starlink and it'll be neat maybe to go on a camping trip or RV trip and still have internet. Right. Right. So <laughs> So we'll see what happens there with, with the future on that. Let's go to the fixed income side just to make a conclusion there. Um, at this May meeting, the FOMC, uh, FOMC announced a 0.5% increase and the federal funds target rate to 0.75% 1% and signaled further increases of the same magnitude at its June and July meetings. Rate expectations have rapidly adjusted and the market now pricing in a 2.7% Fed rates rate um at the year end up from an expected 0.75 percent rate at the end of last year some of the most interest rate sensitive areas of the economy such as housing are slowing as evidenced by mortgage purchase applications falling to a four-year low sentiment has also fallen sharply the consumer business and investor sentiment now setting at multi-year lows although the fed has a delicate balancing act to cool demand without tipping the economy into recession, we do think that they can successfully navigate the challenging environment and deliver a soft dish landing if it does not ever react and tighten as aggressively as the market is expecting. Easing inflation could potentially lead to upside surprises and Fed actions, which would obviously be a welcome sign for investors. Um, so what kind of current, given those conclusions on on fixed income and equities, what kind of uh, current strategies are we looking at? We're looking at cash. It's modestly underweight to neutral. Fixed income, modest underweight there. We're focusing on intermediate short-term bonds for new cash. Vicious use of preferred stocks. Uh, preferred stocks, are the pricing there is still looking very, very uh, good. Uh, we're looking at a lot of issues that, that are around par there. Um not purchasing corporates with below BWA1, triple B plus ratings with specific exceptions there must be selective on munis, focusing on 10 plus year maturities, small exposure to tips is appropriate. High yield, we're more neutral there than we are the overweight, uh, kind of backed off a little bit on some of the floating rate 
um, yields, but still exposure is needed there. Some um, kind of moved past some of the defaults during the pandemic, but you know, with talks of recession, we'll continue to be cautious there. Um, default risk has lessened in asset class, making minor additions. Main exposure is the floating rate there um, due to expected rising rate environment. Equities, neutral to underweight broad equities, overweight alternatives, alternative area commodities, very helpful year to date. I mean, we're looking at returns on some of our commodity funds around 45%. Wow. So, and, and, you know, some of that's like your coffee and, and just some of your, your basic uh, uh, needs that are out there, energy and, and even things like uh, some copper and, and materials of that nature. So continue to, uh, I think right now we're at about 7% of equities. Uh, but we could go up, could be around 10% there on some of the alternative area. Uh, looking at small to mid cap, target 5 to 10% of, of stocks, depending on the objective, using approximately 20 to 40% small cap balance and mid cap. International, targeting 5 to 10% of stocks, targeting 10 to 30% of international position in emerging market, depending on the objective. Again, alternatives, 3 to 10% of stocks focused on inflation hedge strategies, global infrastructure, global real estate, commodities, natural resources, and real assets, overweight healthcare, industrials, and energy. Still think there's some growth there. Equal weight communication, service sector, um, technology, financials, basic materials and utilities, and underweight consumer staples, real estate. Again, that real estate area kind of slowing down a little bit compared to where it was, and then um, underweight consumer discretionary. So there's a lot of information, um, but hopefully it was helpful to continue some of the guidance that we're looking at um, in terms of our current strategy. And uh, Does any of that make some sense to you, Eric? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I appreciate you joining as always and, and, and giving this uh, the overview. And, you know, because it's a, it's a tumultuous time. I mean, the markets are a little... Uh, uneasy, I would say. And so people, I'm sure, uh, you know, appreciate this kind of guidance and, and, uh, and the, the thoughts and positives and negatives. Um, but Brad, if, uh, if, if any of our listeners have a question or want to learn more, maybe they're concerned and, and want to talk to somebody, what, what's the best way they can get the support they need? Yeah. I just want you to go to www.mybank.com. And then click on the wealth management link, and there are some links there. Even to review the um, What Matters Most podcast, you can do that there. But you can contact one of our wealth management team members or call us at 1-855-829-7192 to help to find a custom solution to your unique needs. Excellent. Brad Ball, your Portfolio Manager in First United's Wealth Management Department. Brad, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Eric. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you. First United my bank for life. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature 
and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Bank and Trust or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision and should not be relied upon in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.